Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 154 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a fantastic start to your day. So I am quite excited about today's conversation in a slightly nerdy sort of way. We are talking all about the idea of niching and how does niching connect with what we put on our websites and how does this connect with this whole foreign world of SEO or search engine optimization, which if you've never heard that term, that's basically how do search engines like Google and by extension potential clients, how do they find our websites? My guest today is Paul Steinke. Paul is a licensed professional counselor down in Colorado, in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. And he's the owner of the Caribouni Center, uh, which I learned is Swahili for welcome. And Paul created a, a private practice where he works with relationships. And what we're actually talking about today is, well, you'll hear this in the podcast interview, but Paul was actually previously a wedding photographer and then made the transition to a therapist. And he learned a lot of stuff in his first career in terms of marketing and website design and even visuals on a website and how that sort of impacts a lot of things. And so we're covering a range of different things. So including what Paul learned as a wedding photographer in terms of the images that he selects on his website and how, and the particular emotions that Paul is often looking for in images. And we, uh, he also mentions a resource that he uses to find royalty-free images. So these are basically images where you don't have to worry about the owner of that image is giving you permission to use it on their website, your website. So, and then we get right into some of the niches that Paul has focused on. So things like couples counseling and affair recovery and divorce and how he honed in on those niches and how he actually selected those names and whether there's any sort of a connection for SEO and stuff like that. And so Paul has actually built a private pay practice. So we're talking really wrapping up with this intersection of niching and websites. And I basically asked this question of, you know, hey, Paul, if you could have a conversation with the younger Paul who was just starting his private practice journey, what are the three pieces of advice that he would give 
that's a lot of <laughs> words, but what's the uh, three pieces of advice that the older, the Paul of the modern day would give the younger Paul uh, when it comes to niching and SEO and website design and all of those different things? Today's podcast is supported by Turning Point HQ. Uh, this is a brand new sponsor on the STC podcast, but David and I call him Dave. Dave and I have gotten to know each other over the past two years. He was a previous STC podcast guest. And honestly, Dave is one of the most kind and generous and helpful people that I know. And with sponsors, you guys know I'm, I'm super discretionary in terms of who I share uh, the STC audience with. And Dave, when uh, we talked about sponsorship, he was one of those people. I just I had zero doubt. And so Dave is a financial planner, uh, specifically for therapists, and his whole mission is to transform your relationship with money. I know for many of us, uh, money is something that, and the money stories that we have often been told, it impacts a lot of how we do business. It impacts how we approach things like retirement and investing and all of those things. And Dave understands that, and he comes from just a very heart-centered place to help us build out an investment in a retirement portfolio. Dave actually has this really cool guide. Uh, It's absolutely free to download, and it's called The 7 Money Mistakes That Hold Therapists Back. You can find it over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And that guide has a lot of the things that, that can hold a lot of therapists back. And actually, if you go through that link as well, you get $200 off any service that Dave provides. Hey, Paul, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, thanks. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We were talking about this right before we started, but it's cool to be able to just have a conversation, one with a colleague, but as you mentioned, a colleague that knows enough about SEO and website stuff, just enough to be dangerous. So I'm looking forward to our conversation more than Oh, thanks. Yeah, me too, for sure. So you mentioned this right when we started. I remember when I was like trying to think of questions for us, you know, for our conversation, you mentioned you were actually a wedding photographer until 2006. And so I thought I would just start there. How do you think your experience as a wedding photographer impacts the visuals that you place on your website? Because that's like one thing I noticed, like your visuals are like beautiful. One of the things when I did wedding photography, every photographer has their own style. My style was sort of really close, intimate pictures of couples that I photographed. And for me, it's like you get these sort of big pictures and, and that looks good. But what I like is be able to draw an emotion in somebody and draw up sort of what it's like to be in that place or what it's like to be close that way. And working with couples that I do now, my belief is that we all want that closeness. We all want, all want that intimacy. Um, so thinking of pictures that make you feel that or draw you in, make you feel close, it's like, ooh, that, that resonates inside. So when I looked at images online, I sort of sat with things that just sort of brought that up in me. And they tend to be sort of the same kind of things. It's like, oh, that, that sparks something. And thinking of sort of my ideal client, hey, would that spark the same kind of thing in them? And so that was sort of a foundational base with which I um, selected the pictures that I have. Um, they're not all perfect, but you know, at least you know, trying to elicit that kind of response. Yeah. When you're talking about that, I was just hearing that, that you gave yourself permission to experience the emotion of an image, right? Mm-hmm. To like connect at a much deeper level, assuming or knowing that your potential clients would be able to connect in that same way. 
Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, images are all about eliciting emotion. We see them all the time. We take it for granted, but everyone's trying to get us to feel something when we see something. So this is the same. Yeah, that's fascinating. So you mentioned a couple of different things. You said when you were looking for images online. So are there certain websites that are sort of your go-to for finding these kind of images? Or is Yeah, it- I, I got most of mine off Big Stock Photo. They do a fairly reasonable plan where you can download a certain number of images a day. So that, that worked for me. I've looked at other places, but part of it was just looking at cost and what was reasonable. Mm-hmm. So being, having to pay $50 an image isn't realistic, but being able to pay $100 for a month and download a lot of images makes a lot more sense. Right. And that's bigstockphoto.com? Correct. Okay. So it sounds like these are sort of royalty-free images, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And normally I wouldn't ask this, but like, I feel like that's still... a a lot of jargon for folks. So what exactly is like a royalty-free image and why was that important for you? Yeah, so so getting them from them, you you pay for essentially the license to use them on your own um, and to use them on your website. And you know no one's going to come back down the road later and sue you or ask you to take them down. So you have the right to be able to use those in the work that you do, be that website, print, something like that. So that was important to say, hey, I, there's a legal aspect that I don't have to now worry about. Yeah, so it's basically this um, way that you're getting permission from the creator of that photo to put it onto your website. That's right. Yeah, I even, I mean, I'm just thinking of a couple of folks where this has happened, where they may have pulled an image not thinking anything, and then somebody came back and told them to either remove it or they were sued. Exactly. It's so easy. And there's, there's bots out there that do that, that look for that. The big companies are always searching around. They'll find it. They'll come after you. So just would like to take that out of the equation. Yeah, no, it's a good way. So and just going back to one more thing, you said what you're looking for are intimate moments in these photographs, right? Mm-hmm. So is it, I don't know, like, I kept thinking of this phrase, like, I feel like part of this is it's like mm-hmm. I think it's inside your brain a little bit more. And, and when you look at an image like that, like what is kind of going through your mind? So I'm looking at things that, you know, where I feel like there's connection happening, where I feel like take the idea of intimacy as a whole. And I look at that as, you know, connection and the idea of knowing someone and being known. And if you get that sort of feeling, it's like, oh, wow, there's a familiarity there. There's a safety there. The other word that comes to mind is feeling a sense of belonging. So I think we're all looking for a sense of belonging and a place to belong. So images that elicits like, oh, you know, those people belong together or that feeling of belonging comes up. So be that with a family, be that with a couple. Those are the kind of things that I'm going after. Yeah, that's so interesting because how, I mean, you said it so well earlier, how it's not just about the image, but it's about that sort of, I guess, the deeper values and the deeper mm-hmm. emotions that these images communicate. Exactly. And, and that's for me, it's, it's knowing, and it's based on knowing the values and the emotions that I'm looking for, the values that I have and what I'm trying to help you know, my clients come to. So, I mean, everyone might have different things with that, but for me, intimacy, belonging, connection, safety are core values in relationships. So I'm trying to find things that speak to that. Hmm. That's interesting. Those values, was that something that kind of just developed over time or how did you arrive at those particular ones? Yeah, that's a great question. Some of it was innate and I think through the process of the whole thing of, of, of becoming a therapist, be it school, be it supervision, be it seeing clients, doing a lot of processing. What I realized for me is like, oh, those are sort of the core things that are important to me. And they sort of words were put to those over time. The belonging one was a big one for me. It's like, oh, that's something that I think is really you know, key. And then listening to clients and then talking to other people and sort of hearing what they were saying, reading between the lines, it's like, what are you really trying to communicate here? The desires that you have, the needs that you have, taking the time to put words to that. So that definitely was something that developed, I'd say over a number of years um, that I've focused on now. 
Yeah. No, I think uh, you're bringing up a, a bigger point, which is, I think sometimes it's hard for us to be able to connect, like give ourselves permission to say, these are the things I believe in and these are my Oh, yeah. Things, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we, we all want that. We all want to be able to say, hey, this is what matters to me. This is what's important to me. This is what I'm about. And I think that's part of intimacy, belonging, connection. We want safe places where we can do that. Mm-hmm. And we all know the world doesn't feel very safe or isn't very safe to do that. But that's what I think everyone is really looking for. And when you create that space, people lean into it and they get a very different experience individually and in a relationship. Was it hard for you to bring those values into the therapy room and into like your things like your website or was that sort of an easy transition? No, that was pretty easy for me. And one of the things that I've worked on over the years is just being able to be myself. Um, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. Um, I've spent a lot of time developing that, not having to apologize for it. You know, so being able to say, hey, this is the way that I work. These are the core values that I have. You know, I understand that not everyone shares those. That's okay. If you are looking for something different, there's other people out there that could meet you where you are. So um, I fully am, you know, aware that I'm not the right person for everybody and I don't connect with everyone around me and that's all right. So um, saying, hey, putting out there who I am and, you know, being comfortable with that. Yeah, it's almost this idea of like, if you try to serve everybody, you end up serving nobody. You, you serve nobody and then you don't feel good and you feel incongruent and you struggle to know where you stand. So part of it's saying, recognizing, you know, I have limitations, I have certain abilities and skills, I have certain gifts, and that puts me in a certain you know venue, context with a certain kind of person. And I would rather live, work out of those things than feel uncomfortable, lost, ungrounded, and unsure what I'm doing. So that makes a big difference for me. Yeah, no, that's cool. So I wanted to shift a little bit and talk about the niches that you work with, because to just use that as a springboard of some of this more conversation around website building and SEO and niching and all of those things. So as we record this conversation, Paul, you provide marriage and couples counseling, individual therapy, affair recovery, and divorce. So how did you hone in on those specific niches? Yeah, great question. So the big umbrella that I talk to people about is is about relationships. So what I'm really passionate about is relationships. So be that marriage or other kind of intimate relationships. So a lot of everything sort of goes under that category. And that's where marriage slash couples counseling comes out of. That's a specific kind of you know, counseling related to relationships. The other one, the affair recovery piece is something I've become really passionate about over the years. That to me is sort of like a core critical crisis moment in a relationship I and mean, being able to step into that place that a lot of people are uncomfortable stepping into or afraid to step into, don't know what to do with, but you've got two people there that are just, you know, absolutely lost and hurting and being able to step into that space with them and help them move forward to have a relationship like they've never had before. So those to me go very hand in hand. Um, the divorce piece um, to me relates, it's, it's about relationship. It's about, unfortunately, it's about relationship ending, but it creates opportunity in some ways for a person to understand who they are and how to do relationship better down the road. So those are sort of different parts on that spectrum, but they all relate to a core theme of like, hey, how can I be healthy and have healthy relationships? I guess, was that those little micro niches within that larger niche of relationship? Was that something that, that kind of evolved over time or... A little bit over time. I mean, I, I came into it knowing I wanted to work with um, relationships and marriages. And then as I started to see clients and I started to work with couples, you know, I found, so, oh, I really enjoy the affair recovery piece. I really enjoy these aspects of, of marriage counseling. And the divorce piece has always been on the table for me. That's something that I've always been passionate about. So that was an easy one to integrate. Um, but those other two came up, you know, got a little bit more defined as I built my practice and started moving forward. 
So I think you're answering this, but I wanted to kind of go a little deeper into this and not at all to put you on the spot or anything. But so I feel like there are, even I've struggled with this. There's, you know, folks in our field who realize they have a passion for a certain niche or a population, and then they try to create some sort of service around that, but Mm -hmm. there may not actually be demand for that, right? Correct. How did you figure out, like, for example, a fair recovery might be something that was like a need in in the area that you were working? The first place it came up was I did, um, in my internship, I worked at a church in a suburb where I actually work now. Mm -hmm. And that was my first exposure to sort of what are the issues in this particular area. And then as I, you know, got to know other seasoned therapists and I, as I was networking and developing those relationships sort of hearing, you know, about what people work with and what they see, you know, that theme kept coming up over and over and over and over again. And then as I started my practice, people would come in the door over and over and over and over again and sort of put two and two together and said, hmm, it sounds like this area has a big issue with this particular part of, you know, marriage and, and affairs. And I was like, hey, that's something I want to work with and let me speak to that. Hmm. Well, actually, let me ask this question. So I, one of the things I really like about the niches that you have and how you've listed them on the website is that it's very clear, right? A fair mm-hmm. yep. divorce. Like when you're thinking about naming stuff on your website, how do you go about that? Like, especially re- related to niches. So I think of sort of the overall name. I mean, a, a fair recovery in some ways sort of speaks for itself. I think of also sort of what people are going to look for or what the words that they're going to use or if they're going to, you know, type something into Google online, you know, as they're searching for a therapist, you know, what kind of things like that. So I've done a little bit of research on that. I've asked people about that. I've done my own sort of looking to say, hey, if I was in this position, what would I say? What language would I use? Hmm. So trying to bring in the words that meet those things in the people where they are. And you're using, I guess, by speaking to individuals, you're using the language they would be using versus... Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. Cool. So not everyone might say a fair recovery, but that as a, you know, you sort of look at that says, oh, okay, you know, someone in my, you know, my spouse had an affair. What do we do? If it, it kind of makes sense, what they're looking for may not be that actual thing, but that's where the SEO stuff comes into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other keywording that's, that's behind the scenes that speaks to what they, you know, might actually be typing into a search engine. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that, some of that stuff. So let's actually maybe dive right into that. Let's talk a little bit about this intersection of niching website and SEO. And you have a private pay practice, right? And That's so right. I imagine for something for a private pay practice, particularly, this is really important. Totally. Mm-hmm. If you could give three pieces of advice to a Paul that was starting his private practice journey about these things I just mentioned, what would they be? So I'd say the first would be to figure out the niche piece of like, hey, what do you like to do and not be afraid to call that what it is, you know, in whatever sense that might be. So thinking if it's if it's working with marriages, if it's anxiety, if it's whatever, saying, okay, this is that thing. Um, and then within that sort of break down what aspects of that get you excited? What aspects of that do you want to work with? And that's where you sort of, if you get maybe sub niches per se, or fine tune those, because marriage is really vague and really big. So that'd be the first part. The second part would be, you know, put yourself in your client's shoes and think, okay, if this was me, and I don't know anything about therapy, and I've never been to school, and I don't know all these big words, what would I be thinking to myself? What would I be asking myself? What words would I be using? Go talk to the lay people around you who don't know and pose that question to them and see what they come up with. And that gives you a picture of what the average person out there is thinking, saying, and typing into a search engine. 
And those are the kind of words you want to start thinking about and using because most of the big words that we have, most people don't really know anything about and they, they can't connect with that. But it's thinking of like the images piece. What are the words that someone can connect with? What are the words that resonate, you know, inside? What are the sentences that when you put those together and someone reads that, they go, oh, that's me or this person gets me. And that's where you start to take the niche into sort of the, the keywording, more SEO part and, and just overall language in your website. And then the third one, I guess, would be put that into your website in different places. Be that through blogging, be that through just the text that's there, be that in keywording behind the scenes, but start to put that kind of language in those phrases and, and start to think around those and inform you know, everything around those phrases or those words. So such like really good tips. And I, I wanted to kind of dive a little bit deeper into each of those. So you said the first one is like figure out and I almost like think of it as like own your niche. Right? Exactly, exactly. So, and you said the point you brought in there is like, think a lot about like what gets you sort of excited. So for you, as you were thinking about working with couples, was this sort of like, just like a lot of like reflection, a lot of Mm -hmm. walks, like how did you? Yeah, a lot of reflection, a lot of talking to other people. I'm a big one on, I mean, it, it speaks to, I think what I do, but I'm a big one on relationships. I foster relationships. I build relationships. I want good relationships for me. I've spent time with with other people that, that are like-minded. So, you know, in that process, I spent a lot of time talking to those people. I spent a lot of time reflecting, a lot of introspection, um, a lot of soul searching, and really a lot of just sort of like checking myself, you know, saying, hey, I should do this or I should do that. And I was like, you know, but I don't want to. And like, this is what I want to do. And the beauty of it is that now I'm one, known for the things that I do. Two, I don't get the clients that I really don't necessarily want to work with. I can refer those other people. And I always feel like, hey, I'm working within my skill set. I'm working within what's comfortable for me. I'm working with what and what I enjoy versus having someone coming through the door going, oh my gosh, what do I do with this person like past session one? So that's the piece that, that I really started with. Yeah, that's so interesting. So when you were having conversations with, for example, with couples, were you having conversations with just couples across the board or like specifically with couples who maybe had a history of affairs or like what sort of how, like, I guess, how did these conversations happen? Some of it was with clients that I started seeing and what they sort of brought into the room and what they started talking about. And then as I sort of looked through that lens of, you know, intimacy, belonging, connection, relationship, you know, how I started to sort of frame who they were and what, and what they were about. The other piece would be talking to people who weren't clients, but other people, you know, friends, you know, people in my community who are married and talking to them about, hey, what matters to you in your marriage? What are you guys about in your marriage? And I know that can be a really sort of scary proposition, you know, to go to your friends and community about. But again, back to the the core thing for me of having, you know, safe relationships with people in places where I can be myself and places where someone else can be themselves, inviting people into that conversation and say, hey, you know, this is what I'm about. This is what I do you know, what would help you guys? What have you guys dealt with? You know, what have you guys gone through? What are the struggles you guys have had and start to think about it through the lens of the people who are just out there, maybe not in therapy, but are living everyday life, dealing with things that that our clients deal with as well. Right. Were you like, were you like taking written notes or were these like things that you were just remembering? I just, for me, it's just remembering. I got a great brain that can just remember a lot of stuff that can process a lot of stuff. I've, I've taken the strength finders assessment, which I think is really cool, but my top strengths are input, intellection, and ideation. So I take in information, I think all the time and process it, and I come up with ideas. It's sort of second nature to me. So I know that's not everybody. 
and everyone's sort of process looks different, but it's just kind of what I do. Um, so it's easier for me to do that. So as you're hearing these conversations, and I think this sort of relates to the, the SEO piece, you're looking for words, phrases, or what exactly? So I'm looking for words, phrases, especially sort of like felt needs. I'm listening to sort of what are the felt needs of my clients? What are the felt needs of the people that are around me? And how can I put those felt needs into words and phrases that connect to those needs? So explain to me, like, what's like an example of like a felt need? So I think sort of felt me like a lot of people like, you know, feel lonely in their marriage. You know, they may not say that, but they can feel that. And the minute you say it's like, have you felt lonely? It's like, oh my gosh, I feel lonely all the time. Or the feeling of like being unheard. That's another one. You know, you know, people will say, I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. But actually, you know, putting the word like, this is what you're feeling. This is what you're experiencing. So things like that, that people can connect with, putting the word to what is actually going on inside. Because not everyone has that emotional language. Yeah, and I guess sometimes we can make the assumption that everybody has that. You know? Exactly, and, and most people don't. I mean, if, if you spend any time, you know, with people in therapy, you realize, oh, wow, you know, a lot of us, we don't have it. We weren't taught it. It wasn't modeled for us. So I think one of the cool things to be able to do is to put words to what people are experiencing, and that just starts with the website that you have and the way that you communicate um, that helps people feel like, oh, wow, this person gets me. So those are like real words and those are, Mm -hmm. you're giving people like permission to feel those things. Exactly. And then it's also not like technical, right? We're not like using some phrase like relationship dynamics or something on our website. Right. And that's the other part. So you said it really well, you know, giving people permission to feel what they feel. So a lot of people feel like they can't feel what they feel or they shouldn't feel what they feel. And especially in a relationship and especially in an intimate relationship where they've tried to express what they feel and it's triggered their partner or who knows what. And it's let them believe it's like, well, what I feel isn't okay. So be able to put words to that and say, Hey, this is where you're at. This is what you feel. That's normal. That makes sense. And if you can talk about that level, you guys can actually connect around those feelings and emotions. So I've heard, you know, like just from the, and I'm definitely not any sort of an SEO expert, but just the little bit that I've read, I'm also maybe a little, no, a little enough to be dangerous, but probably <laughs> I should not be doing any of SEO stuff. So I don't even try, but my understanding is like early on, for example, when Google first was started, there was sort of this heavy emphasis literally on the word, right? So mm-hmm. people would keyword stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So they would use, you know, let's say like in your example, it's uh, lonely in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. So then they would create a blog post and then they would use that phrase lonely in relationships 15 times in a right. blog post, right? But Google, it's interesting how it's almost becoming more human-like, mm-hmm. right? As it gets right. more nuanced. So now it has the ability to sort of think about search phrases the way humans do. So in this sort of modern day age, what's sort of your perspective on it? What do you do? Like, so obviously if it's not keyword stuffing, how do you incorporate it into, for example, a blog post in a way that has SEO benefit, but obviously isn't spammy or right right illegal totally i think two things one because i'm not an expert i don't have all the baggage of like what you should do or what's actually happening i just sort of take it down to try to be just a little bit more simple and not stress myself out Mm. say hey i know that this matters and i know that it's important to do things so i'm going to do that Mm. Um, i know that sounds really basic and vague but it's the approach that i've taken a second part of that is when you're thinking about your website and when you're thinking about doing things, you actually start doing them. So 
in some ways it's maybe less about, you know, actually putting the word in there, but it's more about keeping it fresh, keeping it updated, putting content on it. And that makes a big difference. That helps even if you're not thinking about keywords or trying to be really specific, but you know, everyone knows that, you know, Google likes pages that are updated and that have content and are kept fresh and not ones that are stale and old and don't do anything. So if you're thinking about it, you're going to be working on it, you know, changing language. The third one I would say would be you start to write, be it blog posts or, you know, the, the content on your site with those phrases in mind, with those words in mind, effectively with those felt needs in mind. And I think it sets a tone and you start to use language that your clients would use. So versus being really, really technical or, you know, with therapeutic language, you start to think, write, you know, put things out there from the perspective of the people that you're trying to reach. That has a great impact. I can say that the posts that I've written over the years, the ones where I've been just a lot more, you know, connected to how I feel and just sort of thinking about where my clients are and not getting in my head, not being a perfectionist, not being over analytical and in editing and making sure everything is perfect. Those have performed the best. When I just sort of get down to it and say, hey, this is what I think. This is what's going on. This is what may be happening. I've literally had people say like, oh my gosh, I want that in my relationship or wow, like, how do I get this? And I'm like, wow, that was a post that I put hardly quote unquote any effort into. I just put emotion into it. So that's where I start to think about, you know, doing it a little bit differently to where whatever's happening behind the scenes with Google, I'm not all that entirely sure, but those are the things that people connect to. Yeah. It's almost like you have this knowledge about, you know, some SEO kind of stuff in the background, but the most popular blog posts have been the ones where you speak from the heart to the heart. Correct. Right. So you're not necessarily thinking like, oh, how do I talk about loneliness and relationships and write a blog post on that? But maybe it's like bringing yourself into some of it is bring myself in a way that's not like overly disclosing. I'm, you know, I'm always aware of that, but it's talking about loneliness, maybe in a way that someone can connect to or, you know, that, that catches their attention and then leads them into a place that they're actually looking for. Um, So I think that's the other really important piece is like, hey, here's what I'm feeling and here's what I want and bringing those things together. So the blog post or the content is almost the glue or the bridge that brings where they are and where they want to be. Right. That's cool. I never actually ever thought about it that way. Because part of it is thinking like, you know, as therapists, we're saying, hey, you know, my belief is like I have something or I know something or I'm able to do something that's going to help you get to a place that you want to be. So where you are isn't working for you you'd like to be somewhere else, hey, I know a path to get there. So it's putting all that together to saying, hey, I'm going to speak to where you are and I'm going to speak to where you want to be. And it's like, oh my gosh, this person understands me. And yeah, that makes sense. Let's come you know, hang out together and help me get there. So, so I put all that together and that's the framework with which I put together posts, put together a website and really talk about what I do. So when you're creating that sort of like juxtaposition like that, it sounds like it's kind of based on common... Mm-hmm. struggles, common, even nuanced struggles that couples may face, right? Yep. And even I think you're saying this and correct me if I'm wrong, but even when you're creating an individual blog post, maybe you're not speaking to like every couple that's going to nope. your website. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just talking to the one that, for example, that's just learned of their significant other's affair. So one of the things I tell people is I'm not interested in every client out there. I'm interested in reaching the clients who are right for me and that I'm right for. So I'm not trying to, you know, I don't think about it any bigger than that. And I know that there are certain people who are right for me and I'm right for, and there's certain people I'm not. So everything I do is geared towards, you know, helping the people who want to find me, find me. And that's a certain kind of person, you know, experiencing a certain kind of thing and speaking to that specifically, that's what I want. So that's what I, you know, put everything together, you know, to target. 
Paul, any like final words of advice before we wrap up? I think the biggest thing is don't overthink it. I think we can get really, you know, in our heads and, you know, analytical and, and it can bring a lot of anxiety with some of this stuff. I've found that I sort of let things go, do what I, you know, I feel like I need to do, do what I you know, feel like resonates with me. Things tend to go smoother. So I think as therapists, we can really overthink, overanalyze and get in our heads too much. And it's like, let's take the pressure off. And like you sort of said earlier, speak from the heart. No, absolutely. And I think in a way, a lot of us are like so creative and I think mm-hmm. sometimes we're our own worst critics and we, exactly. we put all these roadblocks that, yeah. that prevent that from being expressed. And that's that part of just being yourself. So allowing the creativity to come out, allowing who you are to come out. That's what people want to connect to. They want to connect to a person. It's a lot of it's being your own person. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Paul, thank you. Actually, I had one more quick question. Do you use like, I know you said you generally, you have a WordPress site. Do you use any sort of specific plugins for SEO? Like, Yeah, I use the Yoast plugin um, for SEO um, for my blog posts. That's connected to each one. So I do go, I do use that. And then you're sort of, won't get too much into Yoast, but then you'll figure out, you'll put in those keywords that mm-hmm. you, you came up with. Right. And then kind of go from there. Exactly. And Yoast is Y-O-A-S-T. right right yeah sounds good paul thank you so much for for doing yeah my pleasure for the just the good work you're doing in the world where can we learn more about your work and uh, all that you're doing yeah my website's a great place to start and that's caribunicenter.com k-a-r-i-b-u-n-i then center.com that's a place easy place to get a hold of me perfect paul thank you again for doing this oh you're welcome melvin my pleasure i enjoyed it have a great rest of your day thanks you too Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Paul. And I think more than anything, I hope that it's given you permission just to be yourself on your website and to be more in your heart and less in your head uh, when it comes to creating content on your blog and on your website and being able to speak to clients. Uh, There were two things that I particularly took away from today's conversation. I just wanted to share them with you. One is just the value of actually having conversations with folks who fall into the demographic of our potential clients. This is such a valuable like piece of advice because a lot of times the language that we're using and that we may have learned through our training, that language may be different than what a client is using. And so by having those conversations, you can get a better idea of the terminology that clients are using, and then by extension, put those things into the, cre- into the content on your website. The second piece of big lesson that I took away from today's conversation is just that, that things like SEO, they're constantly evolving. And I've, and not just with when Paul said it, but I've, I've read a lot just from other SEO experts. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that they say is sort of just write in a natural way, especially now as Google, as I mentioned on the interview, Google is becoming much more human-like, like meaning that it sort of processes information. It's getting closer and closer to processing information the way that the human brain would. And so what you want to do is when you're creating content, you want to write in a way that is natural and conversational because Google is constantly evolving. And um, I just have a feeling from everything I've read and just sort of a gut feeling that natural sort of content, conversational content on on blogs uh, tend to do really well. So 
Uh, you can learn more about Paul and the work that he's doing in the world again at CaribouniCenter.com. Before we wrap up, just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Turning Point HQ for supporting today's podcast session. So Turning Point HQ is the result or is the brainchild of David Frank, who is a financial planner for therapists. And as I've mentioned before, uh, Dave and I actually have gotten to be good friends, just an awesome person to work with. And one of the things that Dave will help us to do is create a holistic and an intentional retirement and investing plan that supports you to lead a really awesome life. Because ultimately, I think for many of us, it's we invest, right, to create the life that we want. And uh, it's to do it in an intentional way. And Dave, honestly, is just one of the most like heart-centered folks that I've ever met. And you're absolutely going to be in good hands with him. You can learn more about Turning Point HQ and the awesome services that they provide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash turning point HQ. And if you go through that link, uh, Dave actually created this seven financial mistakes that therapists make. It's a free downloadable and uh, you can download it right there. And then you also get $200 off any of your any of the services that Dave provides. Be sure to mention that you heard it on STC. Have a great rest of your day. And um, oh, and show notes for today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 154. And I feel like this is going to be a good conversation. So be sure to come over to the STC community over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community if this is a topic that really has resonated for you or if you just have questions about it. I'm sure there will just be a, a great conversation. And then one final thing, which I actually uh, forgot to mention, but one of the things that I wanted to start to do starting this year is really to prioritize my own self-care. Um, SDC is three years old, and I, I want to keep this going for a long time. And what I used to do with podcast episodes is I used to take a break in July, and then I used to take a break from the week of Thanksgiving all the way through December. And starting this year, I'm actually going to take another extra month off uh, just to focus on self-care, to make sure that I record quality episodes. And then also the STC directory is launched. And as you guys can imagine, taking on a new project takes up quite a bit of time. And so I just want to make sure I'm not burning out. So for all, all that to say, uh, we'll be taking a break from podcast episodes in April as well. So April, and then we'll go into May, June, July, April, July, and then the week of Thanksgiving through December. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Have a great rest of your day and uh, I'll see you next time. Take it care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, 
I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.